wiser fellow than myself once said, sometimes you eat the bar, and sometimes the bar while he eats you. up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Trip. On a cloud and fell eight miles high. I told my man on a jagged sky. Okay, you know you guys aren't privy to all the new so uh, you know that's what you uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown. Well, I'm Big Stacks and Jacks. I'm tomorrow with Greg Pappas on the board and another... Dark and dreary day here in Chicago. Of course, it's dark anyway this time of the morning in the winter time, but it, it is dreary, in case you haven't looked out the window. I guess we're not shoveling it, um, so I guess that's a good thing, but it's dreary. Can you think of a better word, Greg? Uh, boring? Yeah, boring. Uh, we have uh, S&P futures are up 25 cents, NASDAQ futures up 9.75. We're trying to make a record close for the year today. We'll get there, but here's where... From FedEx to airlines, companies are starting to lose their pricing power. Faced with weakening demand, price-sensitive consumers, and easing inflation, some Texans are now forced to grow profits without the tailwind of just hiking prices. Did you feel bad for them, Greg? Just saying. Might, may or may not be short a little bit of FDX. Yeah, there you go. We've got, uh, without admitting or denying, you may, may or may not be short some FDX, eh? May or may not be. Yes, yes. Leaning one. Well, here's a guy that I absolutely would. Would, would you want to play poker with this guy without ch- counting all the cards? Nvidia is now to launch a slightly slower version of its gaming chip in, chi- in China to comply with U.S. export controls. It's known as a workaround, isn't it? In manufacturing parlance. Just saying. So we have Kevin and Mike. Good morning. Happy New Year, you gentlemen. Good morning, Tom. How are you? You so you found a Wi-Fi in a, in a hotel. Wi-Fi in a hotel. You sound loud and clear. Yes. Oh, good. It's, I'm using my phone today, so. Hey, so you sound good. Uh, hey, uh, all kinds of uh, questions, uh, residual questions, I think, from Lou for Mr. Mike. And we have some sports questions. And what are the Irish doing playing in the middle of the afternoon? There, there's no respect. Of course, they don't really deserve any. But that was a good game last night. Did you watch, uh, was it, uh, who the hell was it? I'm losing track of the teams. It was Oklahoma and something. I always like it when they lose. Just saying. I got nothing against Oklahoma. I don't. I just like to see them lose. Okay. No, and the Browns clinched a playoff spot last night. I know you don't watch Amazon or whatever, but uh, so all of Cleveland is very happy. Well, good. Jo- Joe Flacco's had a pretty fine. good year. Yes, they are having a good year. And the cube, the thirty-eight-year-old QB. Yep. 
Joe Flacco. So you guys shocked shocked that NVIDIA found a way to get around this? Oh, shocked. Workaround is, you know, it's a way of life, especially if you're if you're a manufacturing company, you know all about workarounds because you live it day after day after day. Yeah. We don't want to give something to the Chinese that'll let them bomb us even easier. That's okay. This one, they'll have to work a little harder, but then they can they can use this just as well. Just saying. So Speaking Mike, of workarounds, I'm sitting here I'm, I'm looking at, at Twitter, and this, this poor girl is trying to paint a wall at the bottom of the uh, stairs, and she just can't make this one spot go away. I hate it when they, what do you mean? What do you mean? Oh, X? It, well, yeah, on X. Yes, and uh, <laughs> yes, it's the shadow from the banister across the way, and she just is working so furiously to try and cover up that shadow with paint. Uh, good luck with that. <laughs> um, do you guys? Uh, now, now you got me. She she needs a workaround. Yes, I was uh, watching. Um, actually, I'm watching. I get this. I don't, I don't ask for it, but they sent it to me, this Core Digest stuff. And in the last few weeks, there's been some stuff in there about black and white photography and some of these movies that I thought were really, you know, I've always watched them, like Casablanca and stuff like that. And they go through certain scenes, and they talk about the shadows that I never even noticed before. Like, on somebody's shirt would be a crucifix that came from across the street. And how, and how much to get those kinds of... Uh, tones in a black and white how hard it was to do and the, the, the cinematography was absolutely spectacular and you don't even really notice it it was it's almost like it's subliminal so like the shadows were used amazingly in black and white not not so much in color uh, amazingly and and incredibly uh, with intention yeah, yeah it was it was always on purpose yeah and, and you don't almost unless you see the thing like four times you don't even notice it or maybe you do subliminally but uh Greg, do you even know what subliminal stuff is? They didn't do that when you were when you were young. You didn't go to the drive-in and had they they had little they had the popcorn in the in the pop in the middle of the the movie. They used to inject it. What how many millions? How many tenths of a second was it, Mike? It was uh they would show the pot. You couldn't even your eyes didn't recognize it, but your brain did. Yeah, call me a skeptic on that one. Um, you're saying they didn't do that? No, I'm saying the efficacy. I think it worked pretty well. Maybe. But I, I always thought I was I always heard it did. And all the little Gregs would scurry off as soon as there was an intermission of the movie. You get popcorn and pop. These are amateurs. You gotta you gotta show up with the popcorn or ah. have it before. I'm not trying to miss miss anything just because. I like I like Twizzlers more, but oh god. So anyway, Mike, the, I was uh, Lou was talking about everything you talked about going on in the Red Sea, and you know shooting down twenty thousand dollar drones with a million dollar missile. I, uh, right, right. I was going to. Ask you when we have a a budget because you're the one who brought up the you know, the just in time stuff that Rumsfeld came in and what what's what's the process for you know every year I can't even imagine what the Defense Department budget looks like the stack of stuff when we need you know fifty thousand of these kind of bullets and a hundred thousand of these I mean somebody somebody must put that thing together and order all the stuff and you've got I guess somebody in the Pentagon does Tom yes. And, but then it, all of a sudden, you know, it's now September, and for whatever reason, something's going on somewhere in the world. We're out of this particular bullet now. Is there a, a slop budget? Is there a ten or twenty percent over where you just order more of it? Or cause what I'm trying to tie together here clumsily is this week. I don't know if you were watching. Maybe you, maybe weren't anybody else. So there was a big, uh, not a big brouhaha, but a big discussion in, in Congress regarding using smaller companies 
to help out to help out with some of this defense stuff that in the last 30 years the amount of small companies use has dropped you know 30 percent or whatever the hell the number was and uh they're trying to get more and more people involved and i guess that makes a lot of sense if you're some dodo congressman sitting there you know just pontificating on tv but i'm curious how exactly do you get that done if, if somebody is in charge of these three kinds of bullets and all of a sudden you use them all up and they go well that's fine but you know i i you contracted me for a hundred thousand of them. I'm on schedule to give you your hundred thousand. If I really push, I can get you one twenty, but I can't double. How do you, how do you now? Do you go try and find somebody else to go out for bid? Do you give? Yeah, they would put it out for bid again, I think, and then uh, get more companies involved. And, and Congress loves that. That way, they can reward people in their district. What I mean does so, the does the patent go with it? Do you, is, now, do you have to? Make that under license from the first guy. I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't get the bullet if it's his bullet, right? No, I don't think so. Do you, you probably get it licensed or something? I, I, I really don't know the procurement process, Tom. But well, do you have I any idea how fast Congress it is? Would, pardon? Do you have any idea how fast? I mean, if you need the bullets by March, I don't you get think the, it's, it's not fast. fast. No, it, I'm, you know, you'd have to retool machines and do things like that. You know, it'd be a very time-consuming process, I would imagine. So, if if you're just out of stuff for a while, you're just sort of out of stuff, or I right. guess. Well, that was the issue, even you know, under in the Rumsfeld era, they they had to uh, redo how they built um, personnel carriers, and they needed to put more uh, metal on the bottom of the personnel carrier. And we had to show them how to do that, and then they finally uh, figured it out. The manufacturers figured it out, and then they fixed the vehicles. Oh, so you had to bring them all back for the uh, <coughs> retrofit, as they call it? No, they, they didn't bring them back. They would send teams forward, and they would do a retrofit. Um, a retrofit in the field, they call that? Yes. One of my uh, buddies at Pullman, I mean, he was a, a plant manager for a while, his job in Vietnam, Mike and Kevin, was uh, they would send planes over there that really weren't ready to fly. I mean, they would fly, so they obviously got right. them, they got them there, but you couldn't use them for much because they were missing a lot of equipment. So his job, he worked for Lear Sigler. They're still around, aren't they? I think they Lear are. is still around, yeah, I think. And his job, he worked for Lear Signal, uh, Lear Signal, right? And he uh, would have to go in the morning with about five whatever things were that go on part of the plane's dashboard, for lack of a better term, and he'd have to go to some airfield out in the middle of nowhere on a road that allegedly had been cleared for mines, right? So he'd, he'd be in his Jeep. I don't know if he had a driver or not. Off he'd go, and, you know, guys, sometimes guys are shooting at you on a road that supposedly was cleared. And then you'd get there, and he would install, you know, three or four of these things in the plane, and now the plane was readier now to fly it, and maybe the next week they'd get something else, and he'd put that in, and pretty soon... You could fly the damn thing. He says, on the way home, all of a sudden, everybody's shooting at you. It wasn't cleared at all. Somehow he made it because, because it was just a bizarre world over there, you know, driving along and allegedly thing. But th- these things were, they were shipped. They were they were paid for, I guess, and it took sometimes a couple of months before you could fly them, really, because you're, right. you're putting all the equipment in in the field in, in, in an airport in Vietnam with people shooting at you. So, but uh, Tom, one of the things to keep in mind is this is going to vary by product. What are you, you know, what are you trying to uh, get your hands on on the fly? So I, I'm, I'm just guessing. I don't know this, 
but let's use it as an example. Bullets are pretty much a commodity. If if you're shooting the same kind of bullets, no matter uh, you know whether whether it's a military weapon or whether it's a uh, um, you know a, a, a weapon that's generally available, if it's the same kind of bullets, you can get them lots of places, and and therefore your ability to get them and ramp it up is uh, you can you can do that pretty quickly, given the the as quickly as defined by the ability to move. Uh, the budgeting process along. And if you want to really understand the federal budgeting process, then you come to Ivy Tech and you take a course. Really? Budgeting is part of our uh, Department of Defense Logistics uh, certificate. That's got to be interesting. Who teaches that? Um, we have some people who uh, actually served in the military that teach the course, and we're, we're running like the third cohort of that program in, um, uh, in, in Bloomington right now. Um, this sounds like a side job for Professor Murphy. Well, yeah, Professor Murphy could come in and, and teach some stuff there. We have, it, you know, it, it has some of our standard supply chain courses, and then it has, uh, it has a federal budgeting uh, uh, course. It has a uh, an inventory course. Uh, R M and A, Mike, is that the right term for it? Resource management and acquisition, yeah, probably. Yep, so that's inventory, and then uh, uh, also the uh, federal purchasing system. We've got a course in that. So those those were developed specifically for uh, for this uh, um, this particular certificate that we developed jointly with the uh, Crane Naval uh, Warfare Facility that's near Bloomington. Wow, so that's I got I got involved in that because I was the uh, I brought the technology expertise to the course. Well, I would I would guess that in some stuff, I mean, in, in bullets and stuff, if you order hundred thousand, you sure would hope that the people you're buying you you're getting them from, if need be, they could you know go up by fifty percent in a given year. But what, what are you doing? Well, you, you would hope, except people are having a hard time staying at full staff as it is. So, yeah. Uh, so you know, to to ramp up to the extent that it's a manual process. Uh, to create them, and I'm sure it's very automated, but you still need people. Um, that's part of the, pro you know, that can be an issue. However, what I'm saying is, some products you can get your hands on real quickly. Now, if you're talking about a specific missile or something like that, I don't think there's a lot of people out there who are ready to produce it. So even if you can source it someplace else, you're going to take a, a lot of time for whoever some, you know, whoever the someplace else company is to get up to speed and to be able to really start cranking it out. So that's that's a different problem. And you, you know, as a result, you can't you can't go all just in time no matter how much Rumsfeld wanted to. You have to have some just in case inventory. Well, Mike, are there, are the things let's say you know, Lou talked about a certain missile. God knows what kind he's talking about cuz Air Force guy that he is. Now, when he says we're using X and we're only ordering 500 a year, and we just we just basically pissed away 300 last week shooting down drones or whatever the number is. Does that mean there's none in the system, or it means now you have to go raid the stock in Okinawa or someplace where you might have a bunch stacked up just in case something happens over there? In which case, you're kind of you're kind of grabbing everybody's pantry all over the world. Is that is, is that what happens, or do you? Or, I think they would do some of that, Tom. Yes, but I mean, look at what they're doing for Ukraine now. You know they. They want to order more missiles, and they, you know, they're trying to get money out of Congress. That's not working, and then they they just don't have the missiles available. So, you know, you can't raid anybody's pantry if there's nothing in the pantry. Well, that that that, that is the truth. Um, that's more than the truth. That's words to live by. My yeah, friend. yeah. That's uh, 
I hate it when you go in there and there's no sandwich. You know, just saying. <laughs> yeah, hey, I got a right. Exactly. Now, one other one other thing too. When you talk about the, the cost of the uh, you know shooting down, uh, I, I don't know how many millions you said. Uh, you know, to, but if it's two hundred thousand dollar drones with you know five million dollar missiles. I don't think that's how you measure the uh, value of the drone. The value of the drone, I would measure by the damage it can do, not the uh, uh, not the cost to make it. Um. Yeah, I would I would, I would roll with that. But if it's a, you know, if, if you start using million dollar missiles to to shoot the rat patrol jeeps in the desert, that's you're not a money pretty quick doing that. Yeah, we were gonna we were gonna launch uh, SUVs at them or something, weren't we? I'm, you know, I distinctly remember that conversation. I'm I'm all for that. God, well the uh, I mean, I, I, you just wonder. I mean, I guess I don't know why I'm so curious. Is because, well, because Mike's brought it up, and so is Lou, and it, it's fascinating to me. When, when do you well, have to get? The thing is, Tom, they don't have the will to thoroughly extinguish the Iranian supply chain. That's what they need to do, and they're not willing to do that. Mike, so how, how, are those guys, how, are, how are those guys so good at it? Or appears, I mean, how do you... In, in this day, they just put up another military shuttle yesterday, or whatever the thing is. It's supposedly double, double top, top secret. Um, how exactly do the North Koreans, who we know from even back in the Trump area, are, are about as no good nick as you can get? Uh... How the hell do they manage to ship all this stuff from North Korea to Hamas and nobody seems to know about it? I mean, I, I, I don't, in the midst of all that... No, it, people know about it. They know that the, there's a transshipment point in Syria and they could target that, but, you know, no one's willing to do that. They, they it, we're just, we've tied our hands behind our back and it's kind of silly. Well, it is if they're causing trouble. We could at least... Nail the trouble spots outside well, they, of Iraq. They are without, causing trouble, and they're not willing to knock it out. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't get the whole logistics thing of this. I mean, there's always people that are willing to blast no matter what, and, I, and I'm not in that camp either. But uh, why? I mean, is the Syrian situation just that, that whole Middle East area? And I'm, I'm gonna. I don't know. I, I guess I like to point a finger maybe at us for doing for knocking out Iraq. Not that they were the savior. But that whole area, is, is there any, is the whole thing, is you, you cross Syria, you cross part of Lebanon, uh, is, is it all just a, a total, even even Iran now? Is it just all, can you, can you even keep track of who's who and who's doing what? Well, you can kind of keep track of who's who, but it, you know, it gets difficult after a while. I mean, I don't see, I mean, if, if we blast some point in, in Syria, I mean, we're talk, you're talking about taking out a port, basically. Now, I would talk about hitting military bases and hitting supply points, hitting where they're manufacturing, and we've we know that. I'm sure that the Air Force and the Army, even too, and the Navy, they all have good vetted uh, target lists that they could hit people. But the, you know, unfortunately, the Biden administration won't let them do it. And and with the Houthis, they could knock them out too. They, you know, where they're launching from, I don't think that they're using mobile platforms. But they could be. And even if they're using mobile platforms, they can still target them also. Well, we're still. Most of the world is still somewhat reluctant to start dropping bombs on somebody else's country, right? 
Well, they're not hesitating to drop bombs on our bases in Iraq and on our and allied and. But I'm know, saying that's still not that's still not the same as dropping them on New York. There seems to be a a huge difference in people's attitude. I'm just saying there here appears well, to they, be. That's true. Well, they're well, not going to drop them on New York, but well, they're not hesitating to hit uh, our ships in the uh, in the Red Sea. Are those, those are not, I'm not trying to argue here, but those are not technically ours, are they? They're stuff well, that, some of them are. They're okay. targeting, you know, U.S. Navy ships. Oh, Navy also, ships, okay. But they're also targeting, you know, oil ships from other nations. I guess what I'm, what I'm grasping at here no, is... But here, here's my question about that, Tom, because I, I, I don't want to get away from the thought. I don't how, either. How many people are on these ships that they're targeting? A container ship is, what, 20, maybe? No, I'm not talking about a container ship. I'm talking about a U.S. Uh, military ship. The Navy ships, there's there probably a lot of quite a few people, Kevin. I would say in the hundreds. Oh, yeah. In the, hun yeah, in the hundreds? Yes, uh, at okay. least. So, and if, so they're not dropping bombs on New York, but they're dropping bombs on, um, oh, I don't know, Elkhart. Are we good with that? Yeah, they're dropping bombs on Americans, and, we, yeah, and we're not on responding small, on a small U.S. town or city. Are we good with that? Because if we're if we're going to say, well, they're not dropping. Oh, no, no, I'm not, what I'm saying is, I, I, yeah, it is. They're going after. Now, <laughs> you know, you got the two of you can argue out. You know, and I'm fine sitting back and listening. You can argue out what the response should be. I, I'm cool with that. You guys, that that's a discussable item. But let's just not dismiss it and say, well, it's not New York. No, no, that's, I, what, that's what, reasonable what, at all. What I said was, there there seems to be a split between if if we see the the Hooties running around in a boat. I would, would, up to mischief. I don't think anybody has an issue with dropping something on them. I mean, I, I really don't because they're in the well, active part. We do because we don't like doing that. But I'm, what, what I'm saying is, if you if you know their base is in Yemen, all right, we seem to have, and a lot of people seem to have, and I, I just I just lobbed it out there. I'm not saying I'm on one side or the other. The argument saying we seem to have more of a, a reluctance to drop a bunch of bombs on Yemen territory. Where we might kill people other than the guys in the boat. That that that's that's what the reluctance I'm seeing. If, if you think I'm wrong there, tell me. Because been in no, I, I think I think there is uh, reluctance to do that. We talked about this on Wednesday when I said yeah. you, you may you may recall, you know, Trump calling back the uh, um, the uh, airplanes, the the planes that were going to drop some bombs because they didn't want the civilian uh, civilian casualties. So yeah, it's it, this is not uh, you know this is not a unique concept that we don't you know we don't want the civilian uh, casualties but you know the, the question is um, you know at, at what point do you have to punch back and how do you want to go about doing it well that was gonna be my next question when a place is like a Syria that Mike's brought up a couple times it, what is the place I mean it's not even a sovereign is it even considered a sovereign country anymore Mike I mean it's it's not like hitting New York it's not like hitting no, Syria is still a sovereign country. But they the guy still only, have a leader. But he only runs half of it, right, or a third of it? Oh, about a third of it, I think, right. Well, it's, it's, it's somewhere between a sovereign country and, and something else, at least, in me. But I, when you got Iranian bases there, you got... Are, who are the guys that caused all the trouble? Are they still there? Who are those guys? The guys well, that busted it out in the first place. What were their names? I forgot their name. Well... There's a Syrian army, and then there's Kurds in Syria, and then I'm not sure who else is there. But who were the guys that we were actually fighting for a while? Al-Qaeda. Yeah, 
Was it? No, the uh, what the hell? Oh, ISIS. 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 Are they are they still around? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're still around. So they have they have some chunk of Syria and God knows what else, right? I don't know how much territory they occupy. God, I'm glad we don't live there. Didn't people, what do regular people in Syria do? To, with all this stuff going on around them? There's got to be regular people everywhere, aren't there? Yes, there are regular people, but, uh, you know, they put up with the regime. You know, they they kind of, they work around things. Well, is there, is there we got to dash off the break, but the, the guy who's running the place, is he, he's totally, he hasn't gotten stronger or weaker in the last three years because nobody, nobody talks about him. Assad? No, Assad's still in power, to my knowledge. Oh, God. S&P Futures down a quarter, and S&P Futures up 350. Come back, we'll talk a little sports. Uh, who's, who's, who's winning? Who's making money on these games? Is anybody? And uh, I think our buddy Russell went to the Pinstripe Bowl yesterday. And yeah, we'll have, yeah, Russell predicted a Miami route. Rutgers won. Yeah, he's not so good on this sports prediction. I hope he doesn't bet much. S&P Futures down 75 cents. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howell. SP Futures down 50 cents. NASDAQ Futures up 450. So we're not doing much here. Down up 14. It's been really, really slow this week. And we've had some, in the last several years, we've had some big moves in, uh, the week before Christmas and New Year's, but not this year. I mean, at least not yet. I don't sure look like we're going to have one today, but it's been really slow and not much of anything. Just kind of grinding along here. Uh, the VIX is down to uh, uh, 1257. It was actually up a smidge yesterday. It's up a smidge today, which, but I mean, it's people are real comfortable where this market is right here. I mean, it, from what from what the put pricing and everything else is, I mean, nobody's expecting anything crazy. It doesn't mean it won't happen, but nobody's expecting it. Over in Asia, uh, Nikkei down 75 points, 0.2 percent. Hang Seng hanging over 17,000, rolling up three bucks. Boy, that's an inside day for those guys. It's like unchanged. Shanghai up 20, 0.7 percent. 
trying to make it back to 3,000, but they're not going to make it by the end of the year. 29.74 over in Europe. And these guys have been kind of quiet this week. They're up a little bit. Puts you up 51.3%. Uh, I'm sorry, the DAX up 51.3%. Puts you up 15.2%. Kick around up 28. Uh, it's 0.4%. Yesterday, there's <coughs> a wave review. The Dow was up 53. The S&P was up 1. NASDAQ down 4. So like I said, not much of a day. We got the bonds <coughs> up 3 basis points, so 3.88. The bond up 7 basis points, 2.01, so they finished the year over 2%. Uh, Japan up four basis points, 0.63. Oil uh, up 34 cents, 72.11. Rent up 50 cents, 77.65. Natural gas down two cents, 2.52. Arbub up a penny, 2.10. And again, this very, very low price for this natural gas this time of the year. I think people thinking the El Nino is going to hang in there for at least another month or so, which means not much gas being used this winter. Out of the gold down six bucks, 2,077. So still hanging pretty close to 2,100. Silver down 35 cents, 24.02. Uh, copper down a penny, 3.90. Uh, it's done pretty good in the metals the last couple of months. Now the question is, where do they go from here? I, I don't know if there'll be a breakout from here, but we will see. We have a uh, Bitcoin up 303, 42,805. So kind of continuing their pretty big rally in the last few months. Uh, the U.S. dollar, which is causing like a lot of this, is down slightly again today. We have the euro <coughs> still over 110 and 110, 110.7. The British pound over 127 and 127.4. So, uh, as the Fed has eased their policy, the dollar's gone straight down in the last six weeks, and it's caused a lot of this gold up, market up, everything. Uh, one one just pushes the other. Greg, what do you have for us, Travis? Weather Sports. Good morning, everyone. 6:35 here in Chicago. 41 degrees now. 42 today with the occasional drizzle. Phoenix is 46 now. 71. Mostly sunny and nice today. Traffic. Kennedy from Montrose City Interchange, 9 minutes. Edens from Lake Cook, 23 minutes. Eisenhower from Wolf is 14 minutes. And the inbound Ryan, 95th to the Interchange, 13 minutes. Um, NBA Pacers beat the Bulls, 120 to 104. Well, how good is that one guy in the Pacers? What the hell is his name? He is really something. And the Pistons extend their losing streak to 28. So that's uh, they're getting closer and closer. Uh, NHL, Blackhawks play the Stars tonight in Dallas. And for college football, the Alamo Bowl was Arizona over Oklahoma, 38-24. Pop-Tarts Bowl was K-State over NC State. That was 28-19. The Wasabi Fenway Bowl, SMU lost to BC, and that was 14-23. And finally, the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl, Rutgers beat the U, 31-24. Who are are the Bad Boy Mowers? The Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. That was the uh, R. Allen Rhodes uh, special. Ah, yeah, so we we need to ask him how that was if he ended. What up do you got to pony up for one of these things? What, what do we got to do to have a stacks and jacks? We bowl? looked we looked it up. It was like three and a half million or so. That's a real nice. That's a real number. Yeah, I'm not sure how many years that's over. Maybe that was one or two, but um, I think the total deal was was eight. So I'm not sure how many years that lasts, but but yeah, you know, how come the uh, stocks and jocks? Uh, Stocks and Jocks Radio City Bowl. Why don't we have? A, why don't they have a bowl in, in Notre Dame Stadium? Well, we can pitch that after. And also, the Browns beat the Jets and they cement their playoff uh, spot. And that was thirty-seven to twenty. So I got Chief by two. Why don't we have a bowl like at, at Lane Tech or someplace? What's not the difference? Close. Nobody's there. Not even close. I mean, we want to make money on this. Oh. 
Well, Sponsor never makes any money. It just gets. I mean, if I'm the if I'm the chairman of of uh, of Crafter Helmets, I'm pissed. There's a Duke Mayo Bowl. Yeah, you yeah. snooze, you lose. Just saying. You guys watch any of this stuff? Well, I mean, it is on. Yeah, uh, I've been doing some other stuff. It's been nice, you know, background. It's it's, it's either that or the view. Would either one of you uh, sports official? Uh, by, by the way, the uh, uh, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl this afternoon is sold out. Really? How many? What kind of? What stadium is that? Uh, it is. Uh, it's the Sun Bowl. Sun Bowl Stadium. But I mean, uh, there must is there, it must be some college that plays there or somebody. Maybe. UTEP, maybe. UTEP, maybe. Yeah, but it yeah it holds about forty six thousand fans, and it's sold out for the first time since twenty ten. Isn't the uh, Sun you Bowl? Know played, you know who played there in twenty ten? Actually, I don't know. Army, Notre probably. Notre Dame, no. Notre Dame, Miami. So the last time it sold out was the last time Notre Dame was there. Uh, I, I could be way off base on this, but I seem to recall That's from good the chance. But keep going. Yeah, with the depth of my whatever brain I have, isn't the Sun Bowl like the second or third oldest bowl? It's one of the older ones. Yeah, it's one of the oldest second tier bowls. Yeah. And I and I think is it Bowl and Liberty Sun Bowl and Liberty Bowl are the ones that and Blue Bonnet Bowl. Those are the ones I remember from from when we were younger. Well, didn't uh, isn't this like the only one that's not ESPN? That in the Rose Bowl? Uh, it's, yeah, it's on CBS. And, and, the, and the Rose Bowl is CBS too, right? Or I don't think so. I think the Rose Bowl. I think ABC owns the Rose Bowl. Well, I mean, it's not on. Okay, it was on a a regular station before ABC was ESPN. Rose Bowl is ESPN. Okay. That was, yeah. On on the final on Monday, we've got the. Number four Alabama, number one Michigan. That's uh, ESPN at five p.m. And then the Sugar Bowl is also uh, ESPN, but that's at eight forty-five. That's num- that's Texas Washington. And none of them are on Channel Seven. They're all you got to be ESPN. Uh, I think I think the national championship is on ESPN too. So that's a week later. That's AT and T though. But now the pro football has been sneaking. I don't know what's going on where you guys are. Mike and Kevin in Chicago now. All the all the Monday night ESPN games are also on Channel Seven or on free TV. That just started this year. Well, show. it's because of the. I think it's because of the ESPN ABC affiliation, Tom. Yeah, but it, it, oh, it, last it year wasn't like Tom, that. Tom, it's probably there because the uh, they had the uh, actor strike and they weren't making any new. Uh, I don't um, know. Chief, any it new says programming ESPN and ESPN app. I'm saying the Monday Night Football has gone to where it's on both. I was just asking oh. if there was a connection. Of yeah, I think kind. the connection was to the strike. Oh, okay. And, and and therefore, no uh, no new programming on Monday nights, so they might as well just throw the football game on there. Oh, okay. That's a, that, that, that makes some sense then. Uh, have you any idea, as take Oklahoma, for instance, how many, how many people weren't available, either through – Leaving through the portal, or uh, or thinking they're number one picks. I mean, were they were they short eight people, ten people, twenty? Have any idea? No idea, but I'd probably say it's at least ten. Yeah, or Oregon State's missing eleven starters out of uh, um, for 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 today's game. Yeah, and their head coach. And their head coach, and the um, the I think they promoted a coordinator who is not coaching today because he's preparing. He's trying to get the program prepared. So, it, you know, they've delegated down a couple of times. What um, 
the, the did you guys get the uh, the scoop on the the new the Duke guy's job at uh, Texas A and M? Is his salary thing now? Yeah, I think <coughs> he's running. Uh, at, where did I put that? seven million uh, a year? You said seven. That sounds right. If he wins, if he wins, uh, it's very incentive laden. If he wins a national championship, he's another three and a half. Yeah. Is uh, oh yeah, he's, he's seven seven million a year, and then uh, extra one million if they make the playoffs, and if they make it to uh, one point five, if they make it to the college football quarterfinals or win the SEC conference title, and two million if they advance to the uh, college football semifinals. And two and a half if they make it to the national championship game, and three and a half if they were to win the whole thing. Now, I don't think they start stacking all those on so that he makes like twenty million bucks. I, I think it, it, you know, with each hurdle, his his big bonus goes. If he up. if that's he if he wins a national championship, his totals ten ten five. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, so how many years is this? And he, so I remember Mike Elko a few years ago as a one of Brian Kelly's assistants at Notre Dame. My, he's done well for himself. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm sort of curious that they used to, they whoever the they's were, in our life. Then didn't they used to ban incentive causes in baseball? That you couldn't have an incentive clause. That's why if somebody pitched a no hitter, they could never give the guy a thousand dollar bonus. They had to tear up the contract to give him another contract the next day. There's a thousand dollars more or something. What's his name on the Black Sox? That that was kind of what kicked it off, right? He was yeah. He was scheduled to make uh, a huge bonus, and then they sat him on the bench. <laughs> yeah, if he won thirty games, if he won thirty games, and then he just put him on the bench for two weeks or something. Yeah, so he couldn't get the bonus. Oh, that's what the uh, Broncos are doing with Russell Wilson now. He's he has a uh, oh yeah set up for how much he played, and so they they told him, well, you either got to renegotiate that clause in the contract, or you're done playing for. That's the pretty slimy. That is pretty slimy, and. Hey. Who's in charge there? Is that John Lynch? Uh, no. No, he's gone. No, um, Lynch is in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, not Elway. Yeah, it's so no, Elway's done with it. What? Who made that decision? Well, Lynch is off to San Francisco, correct? Yeah, That's that was correct. a mistake. Um, it, it may be Sean Payton's decision. It is, uh, no, it's definitely, see. he's the enforcer, but if it's coming down, it's coming down. Uh, George Patton, Patton or Patton, P A T O N. Is there, there a uh, general no manager? Idea who he is. The uh, uh, they, they got him from the Vikings. Uh, he was like assistant general manager on the Vikings, but I, I I don't think Sean Payton has been very fond of Russell Wilson all along. So he's he's oh that's the that's the econ guy. The econ that's guy. what? That's the econ guy they hired. Um, he's. He's one of like the Moneyball people. Really, okay. the young guy. Yeah. Oh man, it's you think he. Yeah, <laughs> that's you. You, man. Ouch. Who, who in their, uh, who? What free agent wants to go there if that's how they're going to treat players? I would think that's a problem, and so it may be a very penny wise, pound foolish type of uh, decision. Well, it's not like they're not making enough money. I, mean, I think they they all sort of I are. I mean, he must really hate Russell Wilson <laughs> for tanking or something for to do that. Whoops. That's uh that's nuts. Hey, uh, Mike, one more question on the on the on the military stuff. Uh, when you start some somebody somewhere, some group of people, like you say, in the Pentagon, in the bowels of the place, somebody comes up with a 
a, a threat assessment for is it a five year plan? Ten is probably more like ten, isn't it? Um, uh, threat assessments are done on an annual basis. But I mean, they're they're revised. But I mean, somebody must. Yes. Have, yes. Right. So they're somehow or another a budget gets attached to this. I have to believe that the budget is is never so lean that if if one little fracas breaks out that you got to run back to Congress for more money. I, but maybe it is. It's my question. Is is there a a ten twenty percent twenty five percent sloppage in here that uh, and then all of a sudden when you go over that then you have to go to Congress or do you go to Congress anyway because it's political? I mean, how do you how how does how does somebody like me ever know whether the the goings on in Congress is is something they can't buy a bullet tomorrow or whether they're just doing a political game or somewhere in the middle? How how do you ever really can you deduce the truth from the news? I guess is the question. Well, I mean, Congress should be authorizing the wars, Tom, and that hasn't happened. They're all done by executive action, uh, and that's one of the reasons why I think Biden is having such a hard time with the Ukraine funding. And then uh, uh, I'm pretty sure Ukraine is authorized at this point. I'm not sure about the the stuff well, I'm pretty sure there. Well, but that's executive action to Israel too. So, I would like to see what happens if China invades or peacefully takes over Taiwan, which is what uh, you know the Chairman Xi has talked about. How is he going to do it peacefully? And, well, they're saying that, uh, and he'll do it while Biden is still in uh, power because he's a weak leader. So he'll end up somehow going after Taiwan this coming year. I'm sure of it. I'm pretty sure of it, anyways. Why do we? Uh, is it is this this constant? I, mean, I don't want to dig into this the, the end of the year discussion, but why is there this this constant idea that the Republicans are so much tougher on stuff than the Democrats? When we look back through history, it's not true at all. In terms of killing well, people, the Democrats have killed more than Republicans. Well, I mean, but you had, uh, I mean, that's Roosevelt, that's World War II, I guess. Well, Wilson, was, wasn't was he a Democrat? Yep, and Vietnam was also Kennedy and Johnson. Well, there so you go. Who knows? Well, Korea was who? Truman. Truman. Korea was Truman, right. All right, so how much tougher are the Republicans again? I'm missing that part. Well, the, well, the question, I, Tom, is does does weakness avoid war, uh, or does uh, or does does weakness uh, does and uh, does strength avoid war, or does um, does strength cause wars? Um, and and I, I would also throw in there that there it, it is kind of good to be unpredictable too. Um, you know, there there just is some value to having people say, "I'm not sure what that bleep's going to do." I, I I think there. I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you, but it's. I'll take that very lightly because we might not what he do, know what he's going to do either, and that's not good either. I don't want a lunatic no, in the office. That's true. We we don't know what Putin's going to do. We well, right now we know he's going to keep trying to annex Ukraine, and and we're well, we're not allowing him to do it now, so that's a good thing. Yeah, but and I don't then, know. I don't know how much. How much different we would we would execute this? I mean, Lou says he thought he thinks our actions in Ukraine have been pretty good. I mean, I don't know how much different a Republican would have handled it to you. But it's not like they're no, afraid. I, I mean, I mean, Putin was not afraid of Trump. I mean, that's that's crazy to say. 
I, 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 I don't. Sure, I mean, the only the only basis you have, Tom, is that when uh, um, uh, when Obama was in office, he took Crimea. When Trump was in office, he didn't do anything. When Biden came into office, he went and took more. So, I, you know, I don't know that what you can say. The only evidence we have is what actually happened. All right. So, if, if we, isn't that true? I don't know that it's causative. Uh, I, I don't either, but you know, I, but that's that's the best evidence we have. I don't know. So, if it's not causative, then why did he wait? You know, well, that I mean, was, uh, well, the North Korea question. North Korea has been a pain in the ass since what year? It was yeah. Before the Korean War, for God's sake, nothing's changed yeah. there. No. Nope. Anyway, they've, I just they've been contained, and who contains them? Well, we're sort of they can they contain China contains them. It's you know they're they're pretty yeah. much uh, you know the the puppet master there is is the Chinese. Well, their 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 lack of an economy contains them to a huge extent. Yes, that's true, and their army is is it's huge, but it's very weak. They're they're undernourished, and they've got problems that you know feeding them. So um, hey, uh, we got a few minutes. I I was at the. Uh, how did I end up at the local bar the other night? But there I, there I was, and of course the debate was raging about the. We'll switch over to the NIL. Boy, I tell you what, people have an amazing spread of of uh, predictions on where this is all going to lead, and and one of them is, I, I guess I, di- I I disagree, but there's no point in arguing in a bar that much, um, in the sense that one guy's opinion he's he's Mister Sports, right? He's got it all figured out. Every bar's got one of those guys, right? Uh, but he really does know, you know, an awful lot of stuff. But he's absolutely convinced that every other sport is going down, and I, I don't see that. Uh, I mean, one of the other uh, gentlemen I was with is a big Marquette fan because he. Do you, guys, do you guys remember Marquette having a football team? I don't. Anyway, he went there to play football, and they disbanded the team, and he kept the scholarship as long as he boxed. When did when did they stop intercollegiate boxing? It was before our time, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it, it was, and I, I all I remember about Marquette and football is I know that they had one, and it wasn't that that much earlier than when we, you know, were in high school and college. But it was done by then. I'm going to say they probably dumped it mid '60s. Does that sound something, right? Yeah, something like that. Um, but anyway, I don't. I, we were trying. We were kind of discussing the, you know, the, the Big East versus um, the Big East model, which Kevin you talk about a lot, and. Uh, I don't know how many other sports does Marquette have. I know they got women's softball; they're pretty good at it. Uh, but they they don't have men's baseball. I don't think. I mean, it, what 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 kind of sacrifice? If you go to Georgetown, I don't think I'm playing baseball. Am I? I'm not, am I playing women's soccer? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't only answer that, but it, they do take they do have less teams in the field than say the Irish, uh, and actually probably le- way less than like Illinois or someplace or Wisconsin. Yeah, so Marquette has uh, uh, men's basketball, cross-country, golf, lacrosse, soccer, tennis, and track and field. On the women's side, they have basketball, cross-country, lacrosse, soccer, tennis, track and field, and volleyball. So not horrible. I mean, it's, it's not like they got nobody. They have a pretty full full slate, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, and, uh, you know, pick out another one of the biggies. Let's go, uh, let's go Villanova, because um, I expect they're pretty... Pretty solid. So let me look at the I L A N. If I can only spell. Well, well some people are absolutely convinced that 
if you take football out of the mix and you, and you don't sign up for this new, new football that every other sport is going to drop it, your Pac-10 is not going to have an Olympic sport. And I was trying to explain that the, the budget... No, I think it'll be the other way. I, I think those sports will thrive. In, in a, do you think they're going to be in the Big Ten or Big 50 or whatever the hell it's going to be? And actually going to Gonna, gonna go to Rutgers. Oh, I, 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 I'd love to see them regionalize their their way back into the way conferences were. I don't think it would shape out shake out exactly like that. For a long time out west, they had a separate all other sports type of conference um, where you could just as well, it, like in baseball, for instance, you could see Cal Davis in the same grouping as. Um, uh, UCLA. I mean, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? I mean, why, why wouldn't you? I guess. Yeah, I, I would think that would make a lot of sense. Just looking at uh, Villanova real quickly, just so that you have an idea of what they have. Men's sports is baseball, basketball, cross country, football. They actually do have football at one double A and at Villanova. Uh, golf, lacrosse, soccer, swimming and diving, tennis, track and field. On the women's side, they have more two more sports. They have basketball, cross country, field hockey, lacrosse, rowing soccer, softball, swimming and diving, tennis, track and field, volleyball, and water polo. So they got stuff. What yeah, they got stuff. And so that, that's why I think if you, if you look at the Big East, you'll go, you go tick through their schools, you'll find a bunch of programs like this. Um, I, I think, you know, for, you'll, consistently you'll find soccer. Consistently you'll find, but not everywhere, but you'll find a lot of baseball and softball. Um, and, and, of course, you'll find the men's and women's basketball programs, and you'll probably find, especially on the women's side, you'll find volleyball. Um, and then, then whatever else just tends to be whatever, you know, regionally they can offer. You'll get schools that, you know, it, Division One hockey is its own animal, um, where, you know, if you look at it, there's, I, I don't know, something like 40 schools, and you're just as, as likely to find out that uh, um, you know that uh, some somebody like uh, Mankato State is just as good as Michigan at hockey. Yeah, what uh, I think some of the bigger schools that you wouldn't expect. I think Illinois, it, it, one of their deals, University of Illinois at Champaign, uh, Urbana, whatever they call it. The uh, I think they didn't have a men's soccer team because they they couldn't get the numbers together because of the football and basketball team. So they, their sacrifice to have as many women as guys was to get rid of the soccer team. Yeah, t- Title IX compliance comes in, uh, it comes into play. And some schools have just said, um, yeah, we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to cut uh, in order to uh, comply. And others have been a little bit smarter about it and have said, we're just going to beef up our women's programs. So it, it just varies from one to another and, and their competence at being able to do it. Um, but yeah, now I just pulled up the uh, the hockey, and you know, as you look at hockey, you can see anything from uh, you know, Massachusetts Lowell to Boston College in the hockey in hockey East. You can go to the CCHA and find you know traditional powers like Michigan Stack, uh, Michigan Tech, but just as well find uh, Bemidji State. You know, it's I mean, it's just kind of interesting the way some of the other sports have managed to organize themselves to be successful. Um, and I, I, I really think football is, is so overwhelmingly driving the decisions that these schools are making for conference affiliation and for the direction of their athletics departments that if you took it out 
and made it not part of that mix, not part of that decision process, you'd come to a much more rational series of decisions that they would Well, for some about. reason, the, the, the alumni are, every time their team wins, wins, they think they grow an inch or something. It's, it's crazy to me, even though we're, we're pretty into Notre Dame football because we all like each other and like talking about the games. I, I never was that crazed. If, if I had $40 million, I'd give them 30 so they'd win. I mean, those people are nuts. In my opinion, I mean, uh, do you have a? Either one of you guys have a clue? Um, oh, take take about anything. I mean, the University of Chicago, for instance. Now they've had a football team, uh, and they play the Augustanas and the, all the people around here. All yeah. the, all the, Speaking of Augustana, they are moving into the CCHA full membership in twenty twenty five twenty six. They will be a Division one hockey program too. But keep going. But I'm saying, do you have any idea what? The budget is for like University of Chicago football, or he just takes a bus to, you know, a place within 150 miles, and they have a full program. I mean, what do you suppose the budget there is? It's got, it's got to be what one one hundredth of Notre Dame. Well, let me see. <laughs> hey, Mike, I got a good one for you. Uh, and from and I was doing uh, this year as as we get a little older, sometimes you do wellness checks, especially with the COVID of people you haven't heard in a long time. Remember my buddy. Right. From, Remember my buddy from uh, high school, Bill? The guy was a really good basketball player. He'd come up and he'd hang with us once in a while. The guy went to Marquette. I don't remember him, Tom, no. He kind of remembers you. But uh, anyway, I sent him a text yesterday. I say, Wallace check, are you alive? He goes, yeah, I'm alive. I listen to you guys every morning. Tell, tell everybody to said hello. <laughs> okay, then. Oh. oh, that's good. Yeah. So yeah. He, remember, he, he used to come up uh, a couple times a year. He, he, he was in the Evan Scour's house in Marquette. He went there, and he's a civil engineer guy. Real good guy. Really good ball player. I mean, we were, we, were, we were best buddies for a long time. But he's a listener, which is cool. He says hi to everybody. What the, uh, Kevin, what you, would you dig up there? Uh, I'm still scrolling around. I'm not going to have time to get it done before we uh, hand it off to Carl. But I'll see if I can find, uh, find it. There, there is a report. Um, oh, there it is, Equity and Athletics. Um, yeah, I don't know if I can get to it quickly enough. But... Uh, there is a uh, a report that the government keeps for Title IX. It's their equity and athletics reporting. And it's one of the most misused reports because the schools are required to report their expenses by program, by men's, by women's. So there's like the get data for one school here. Um, and uh, uh, Those numbers are totally skewed. They don't count... Well, the, yeah. the expenses are reasonably accurate, at least their basis for comparison. What happens, however, is that they, um, that they have to, um, they, they have to, they, they have the option to report uh, revenue. And so a lot of people report revenue, um, they, they just plug it. And so you will see this incredible number of schools who, um, who have revenue to the to the penny is exactly the same as the dollar amount, and some people take that revenue number as gospel, and they're just throwing it in there to throw it in there. Well, you, you so let's see, football. Uh, Ninety. Uh, uh, the men's teams at University of Chicago. If we look at revenues and expenses, football's revenue by team is uh, looks like about ninety thousand. By team, is that? Yeah, they don't, they don't get much. Operating expenses about ninety thousand bucks. Yeah, it's not very much. And, uh, no, it's not very much. Their basketball programs, 
or their their uh, basketball program is uh, three hundred ninety thousand. So that give you an idea. Well, you saw this stuff the other day. I was talking about that the Georgia guy was complaining that their expenses on football were higher because they didn't have their own jet like the Florida guys did. Oh, wait a minute. Now I'm seeing a different breakout by team. It's saying it's still not much uh, in, in the scheme of things, but it's 676000 for football. That would make sense. you got to pay a coach. I mean, you got yeah, equipment. So, yeah, so you have all of that. Anyway, guys, uh, Happy New Year. Uh, it's been fun having you on, Mike. It was a great addition this year having you on, and hopefully that will continue. You guys have a market prognostication? You probably don't. Nope. Maybe you do. No. Happy New Year, Tom. So you're not going to say bye, bye? No, I would say the market will go down. I would there say wait and then buy. <clears throat> All right, well, next week we're going to do uh, our usual predictions and uh, <clears throat> Super Bowl and all the other good stuff. And uh, we'll, we'll have to, we won't let you escape from that, Mike. So maybe next Wednesday. SP Futures down 275, Nancy Futures down 8. Funny way of making a record. We're kind of leaking here a little bit. Be right back, Mr. Carl Denninger. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Look at them yo-yos. That's the way you do it. Play the guitar on the MTV That ain't working, that's the way you do it Money for nothing and it takes free Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures down 2, Nasdaq Futures down 7. We're not doing much here. really been a slow week. Do we have the professor, Carl? Oh, you most certainly do. Remember, Carl, you're not, you're not, you know, it's not like you're 20 years old. It's not like you're old, but don't you remember as well MTV, just before Greg's time, when MTV first came on, it was nothing but music and spectacular-looking women. How has that all changed and gone by the way of the Dodo Bird? Oh, good Lord. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, Dodo Bird would be right. Yeah. Uh, no, I remember quite well because it was uh, it was also on the expanded basic cable side. So you didn't have to pay 
you know, it wasn't it wasn't a premium channel. It wasn't like HBO that had a separate fee associated with it. I, saw, I don't remember what we had. What the hell did we have? We lived down in Beverly. We had four guys living in this big house that I, of course, owned. And uh, um, but we had a, we had a great old time. We had three three were really lived there, and we had some some other dude in the basement for a while. <laughs> um, the, the pipes were about. Five eleven, and the guy was six six or something, or six eight. <laughs> you'd hear kind of banging there once in a while down there, would be guy's head against a pipe. But uh, we didn't have that. Chicago was not wired for cable. You know the history of this way more than me, Carl. I think we had one of those things where you put the box on top of the TV. Well, that was yeah. So the the first iteration of this was uh, w- was a box that basically went between the antenna. And the television, yeah, and decoded an over-the-air signal. They were all, I think, they were all UHF channels, weren't they? But it, yeah, and then and then that went away, uh, and you know, an, an actual cable showed up. And it's, it's actually the the evolution of all this is rather fascinating because it all intersected with the you know the ultimately the rise of the internet. Um, the what a lot of people don't know um, because there's. Nobody really wants to talk about exactly how this all happened. <laughs> well, I did some I did some contract work when I lived in Chicago uh, for one of the cable operators who was looking to to do internet service. This was before it was popular at all. Um, the only other alternative at the time was was dial-up, and the problem they had was that you had to change all of the amplifiers and all of the equipment within their infrastructure to allow signals to go two ways because cable television was a, was you know from them to you okay well all that equipment was expensive there was an amplifier you know every every few hundred feet out there on the cable you you can see them you, the, the boxes that are on the on the poles or on the pedestals those things cost money and and they all had to be replaced in order to be able to do this well the numbers did not work when you get down to it okay that was the bottom line was that there was there was no economic argument for it so <laughs> what actually changed it was pay-per-view movies oh okay i get it because in order to do pay-per-view movies with the box without having to plug a phone line into the back of your cable box okay so you could you know sit there with your cable box remote that was necessary because somehow the signal that says, yeah, okay, I'm buying this movie, had to get back to the cable company, and that meant they had to go out and change all this. So the the advent of sit in your house and watch a movie that you buy right now uh, was actually what paid for the base-level infrastructure changes that were and, necessary and, uh, ultimately and initially, to a big, bring the Initially, a big chunk of that was porn. Uh well it was a, it was a lot of stuff but yes oh, oh yeah well the same thing with with VHS the whole reason VHS beat beta is that Sony refused to allow pornography uh, providers to buy their cartridges their license terms for bulk sales really were that you could not put adult content on their media do you remember the if you wanted the because we had one that was almost as nice. Uh, it was a Magnavox, the big, huge home entertainment center. But oh, if, yeah. you, if you wanted the Sony, the, the full deal, I don't know if you ever saw one of these things, Greg, but they were, 
You had the big, like, 26-inch TV when that was huge. You had the massive speakers on each side. The, the thing had a way, how many pounds, with the... Uh, you had the phonograph. You had the, the tape thing in there. You know, oh, yeah, you, they you were the, huge. They were... You had the whole mess... You don't wouldn't want to be the guy who carried the thing in, but they were a massive piece of furniture. Oh, so, yeah, it was furniture too, and it oh, was God, not yeah. cheap, not cheap particle board garbage. Either. No, it was real stuff. Those things were like they were like two grand in nineteen seventy five or something, weren't they? I mean, they were. It was big dough. Yeah, we uh, we didn't have that kind of money when I was growing up. Uh, we had the we had the console record player and radio, but no television in it. Even okay. that, they were pieces of furniture. Oh, it, it was a huge piece of furniture. Yeah, it had, had a garage turntable in it, and you know, yeah, tube. It, all of it was tubes, of course, because that was you know that was the technology of the time. And when the thing conked out, uh, Greg, you'd love this. You open up the back and you pulled out all the tubes, and you went up to the drugstore, and everybody had a, yep. a, a tube thing, and you tested them, and ine- inevitably, there would be a crummy tube, yeah. right? And then you go back and you buy the new tube, which is always in the bottom of the cabinet, and you go back and everything would work again. <laughs> You fixed your own radio or TV. It was a bizarre world, but you know, it, when you, people look at this at this stuff, a lot of other things you see in the world, especially you know, if you weren't around, I'm not accusing anybody of being younger other than being younger. Uh, you look at the, one of the most fascinating divergences based on I'll use the term cable, uh, or, or I would just use, I won't even use cable. I just use a TV policy. You look at the, the Sox versus the Cubs right now, okay, when the Cubs are this massive national, even though they're losing some of that, this national national team, uh, everybody's a Cub fan. They were on, you went to a bar in Oklahoma in the middle of the afternoon in July, you're watching the Cubs, versus the White Sox, which basically are, are the part that went over the fence last. And if you were to, you were to trace the history of those two teams, no one, no one will believe me that in the '60s they were dead even, absolutely dead even. They both were making a, getting a million people a year, struggling along. Both had crummy teams. The Sox were better. They won a pennant in '59, uh, but basically they struggled to get to a million people. Uh, you could always just walk up and get into a game. They both had ladies' days. They were both on Channel Nine, uh, the home games. So Jack Brickhouse did both games, and, and they, Major League Baseball was, was good enough that they were never home together. All of a sudden, one day they were home together, and, and Channel 9 managed to cover both games by flipping back and forth, and it was, a, it was a major technical advancement that they were able to do that. So somewhere, someday, Channel 9 said, you know, we're just going to pick one team, and since Channel 9 was located on the north side, no other reason, really, because I don't think the Cubs' uh, ratings were any better. They, they were close Bradley places where Channel 9 was, and it's only like two or three miles from Wrigley. They picked the Cubs. And we're going to be on all all every, all every 162 games, the road games, everything else. And the White Sox ended up on Channel 32, which is nowhere near as nice a station as Channel 9. And then Eddie Einhorn enters the, the fray and decides we're going to be on Channel 44, a pay thing. And oh, by the way, we're also going to be early on cable. The only problem with that is they went on cable probably at least a decade before the city was wired. Yeah, before cable was a thing. Yeah, so right. they. I mean, it was, so over that period of time, the Cubs became this national treasure, and the Sox. Most people didn't even know they were here. It had yeah. all to do with who embraced communications and who got on Channel Nine first and who didn't, and it had nothing to do with the Cubs being 
Chicago's team back then versus the White Sox because it simply wasn't true. They were yeah, they were dead a, even. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, but this is I mean, this is sort of the you know the reality of it, right? I mean, you know, and then you had drive time, you know, radio, AM radio, uh, which well, they know, both had strong. They both had real strong radio presence. I mean, it comes around. Yes. Oh yeah, it comes around seven twenty, which is a, which is a a serious station of fifty thousand watt. And I think this. I forget who the Saxons. They might have been at six seventy, which really was almost as good a station. But they both, yeah, they, but but again, you know, there's a big difference between you know audio and, and television, right? Yeah, and and so you know, there you go. But yeah, it was, it's and and of course nowadays, uh, the infrastructure you have to have to be on television is you know is a tiny fraction of what it was then. Oh yeah, all right. I mean, it's uh, you know, it was at that time. Uh, it was a microwave link, or you had to go direct up to the satellite. I'm going to say when the Cubs first went and did a game from L.A., the picture came back here over phone line. How much do you think that cost them? Oh, it's I, I doubt the picture did, but the audio did. There were no satellites. How else would it get here? Um, well, you know, there's... Uh, um, well... I would think terrestrial radio relay, but oh my God, is that expensive because of the number of hops involved? I'm talking about the TV picture. Yeah, yeah. No, I know, I know. Um, there was there were ways to do it by aggregating it across different phone channels, but it was uh, yeah, it was it was stupid money. Yeah, but I think that's what they did. I I there was no. I, mean, I know there were no satellites. I mean, uh, right. And and, and, and there, you know, there were no no microwave towers. Somehow yeah. Well, uh, you know, so. Well, how did even, how did even your normal uh, TV show get from New York to Chicago to, to get to get up on the on the, the provincial building? Then it became the Hancock. Well, but it had to get here yeah. by by by, by uh, telephone line. How else could it get here? Well, I don't know. Um, so you know, remember that Telstar, which was the original. The, the original satellite communication um, uh, prototype, if you will, um, the first two of them uh, were launched in 62 and 63. Well, then you had, to, you had to buy time on the Telstar, right? Oh, oh, they, they, oh yeah, they, yeah. By the way, they were not. It was not. Because the thing is, with, um, you know, with communication satellites until, you know, until low Earth orbit stuff and Starlink showed up, um, communication satellites are all geostationary orbit, and that's because otherwise, uh, figuring out exactly where you have to point your transmitter and keeping it pointed at it is a problem, right? Because it goes out of view relatively rapidly as it you know as it traverses Earth orbit. So the the thing about geostationary orbit is that there's only one orbital plane that it can sit in. So with one degree spacing, you can only have 360 degrees worth of those. You only have 360 of them. And with half degree spacing, a 720. Uh, but it, it then, typically, you have, uh, you have a number of transponders, and, and then there's some, there's, there's some screwy stuff that goes on, so you can actually get two signals on one, one that's polarized horizontally and one polarized vertically, which... Uh, I mean, this gets into some wonky stuff. I used to do a lot of work in this area. Well, right now, if you go, if you go give an interview, if somebody gets shot in front of your place, and the the, the van shows up with a satellite link, I mean that that didn't used to happen, right? Oh no, it, well, and but it's a lot older than you think it is. Okay, 
Okay, I mean it's that's that's the thing is that I mean in, in the 1960s was when this started. Well, that's when the, okay, the, the, the Cubs kind of broke 60s. away. That's when the Cubs kind of broke away, and yeah, they I'm were just part of that. The in early, yeah, the early 1960s, though. Okay, I mean that's uh, yeah, it basically it's a it's kind of an interesting thing in that these uh, the original Telstar was uh, was was single transponder, um, and and it was. One television channel or multiplexed telephone, uh, and it was the the design was kind of screwy because it was spin stabilized, which which basically meant that you had an array of antennas uh, that that all had to work, uh, and you could not have multiple channels and multiple antennas because it was spin stabilized. It was constantly spinning. <laughs> okay, uh, but that that. Uh, uh, you know that didn't last very long, and people figured out, hey, wait a minute, we got to figure out how to, you know, how to avoid that uh, that problem and get more. So, but yeah, that was the first. Um, the The interesting thing is, is that uh, the original, the original experimental one, Telstar One, first broadcast was July eleventh, nineteen sixty two, prior to my birth. Well, yep. Well, the yeah. uh, I remember the when one one of the shows from the old Star Trek was they came down to Earth and they were trying to see something on Earth and they they bounced the camera off an old weather satellite and were able to, were able to see something. Yeah, well, you know, it's, uh, interestingly enough, it was the first publicly available one, uh, I believe, was Walter Cronkite. Really? Yeah, I believe, I believe it was a Cronkite report that was the, the first public, you know, television signal sent through it. Wow. Hey, uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about the uh, thing we were kicking around yesterday before the last day of the year, we don't want to be talking about deaths. Uh, but aren't we? I was a little stunned that uh, one of the listeners, a longtime listener, sent me some uh, death, cert- death statistics, which you know, always great to get the last couple days of the oh. year. Oh, yeah, and don't I, you love that? Yeah, and uh, of course, they're a year behind, you realize, yeah, right? Yeah, okay, but it, but it basically comes down to how many people have essentially died during the whole COVID mess. Uh, and after, and are we? Is the aftermath almost worse than when the disease was? And it seems like, by the numbers, uh, almost seems worse. I mean, I, I don't know. Have any? I can't put my finger on why or anything. I mean, you could say uh, you could jump to the conclusion that it's vaccines or not vaccines, but you don't really know the people who are dying. Whether they had one, two, three, four, five, six, ten shots, some people are probably up to. Well, they want they will yeah, and, and and they will not release that information. But you know what? Medicare has every single one of them, and so does Medicaid. Really? Yeah, they probably do. Yeah, why wouldn't oh, they? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, yes, they do. This is one of the things. This was this was one of the things that I pointed out very early on in the pandemic. It made me extremely angry, and it still does. Uh, we early on one of the hypotheses, you know, Trump was very much behind this. Was that hydroxychloroquine was a, you know, was a magic bullet that was going to end all the problems, right? And and this was this was something that, uh, you know, the Fauci's of the world and the Burks is all, you know, oh no, you're full of crap, you know, da 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 da. Well, maybe he is and maybe he's not. But the thing is, this uh, hydroxychloroquine is a drug that has been used for a Quite long time. It it's, an anti, it's an antiviral. Is an, anti, an anti-symptom thing. Well, it's actually its original purpose was anti-malarial. Okay. 
okay, which of course has nothing to uh, do with the virus. Real, right. real stupid question: If you'll malaria virus or bacteria? Is what malaria, is malaria virus or bacteria? Well, malaria malaria is a is it, the 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 bug is transmitted by mosquitoes, obviously, but it's it's bloodborne. Which is a very different thing than something that. Uh, so it's not your basic virus or bacteria. It's got to be one uh, or the other, doesn't it? Huh? It's got to be one or the other, doesn't it? A virus or bacteria? Well, yeah, it's a para- Malaria is a parasite. Oh, okay, all right. So it's, so it's not. So it's neither. It's okay. it's an anti. So the HCQ, the original development, was anti-parasitic. Okay. Same thing with ivermectin, by the way. Ivermectin is an is an anti-parasitic. That's its label indication. Uh, ivermectin essentially ended river blindness, which used to screw huge numbers of people in sub-Saharan Africa. So and, there's, and so there's viruses, bacteria, and parasites. Well, there's funguses too, which okay. are kind of uh, weird yeah. in the middle too, right? Um, but anyway, so but the thing is, off-label uh, hydroxychloroquine has been used for a very long time in people who suffer from both lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. And exactly why it works in both of those cases, nobody really knows. Well, nobody knows why an aspirin works either, right? It just works. Well, but but it does. Yeah. Okay, it, do, it does. So, in most people who have either serious RA or who have any form of lupus, most of them are on disability, and they legitimately are disabled. Okay? So, these people, almost all, are either on Medicare or Medicaid, most of them that have had it for any length of time are on Medicare because after two years of being on disability, you qualify for Medicare regardless of your age. So CMS has all the information, all the medical information on every single one of these people. And it, was, it would literally have been one command to their database to find out whether or not they were getting COVID and dying at an equal rate to everybody else in the population that is similarly ill, or at a lower rate or at a higher rate. Okay, in other words, did, did being disabled and having this really nasty condition, does it make you more susceptible to respiratory virus? Well, you, you know, logically, you'd think maybe it might, right? Um, but if hydroxychloroquine was protective in some form, and we don't know how, but just that it was, uh, this would be instantly obvious in the data, if that was the case. And on the other hand, if it was not protective in any way at all, that would also be instantly obvious in the data. So this whole controversy that arose at the beginning of the pandemic, with Trump out there you know, making all these statements, it's, and some people saying, oh yeah, yeah, this stuff absolutely would that was resolvable on a statistical basis within minutes. We, we, don't, it, we, we don't want the answers, Carl. Come on, we know that. Oh, no, no, we don't want the answers. So you know what? And, and you know what? To this day, all right, we're almost four years into this thing now, right? Yeah. To this day. March of nobody, uh, 2020. Yeah, Chief, nobody, nobody has run that query and just posted the data. Well, nobody's posted it, but we don't know if anybody's run it. Oh, believe me, somebody's run it. Okay, because it's it's literally oh, a, it, a query every time, against the database. Every, 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 that's why I love having you. Every time you say something like that, now as, as you've been talking, of course, I'm formulating eight questions, which is my shtick. Uh, when you have a bureaucracy, this is an overwhelming question, though, that's just a specific one. When you have a bureaucracy that's just getting to me like almost what you hear about in Russia, is are, are the if you're a conspiracy theorist, which 
I don't know, maybe I am a little bit, uh, if you're a conspiracy theorist, is it because some people in the midst of this huge bureaucracy actually do talk to each other <laughs> and are able to get between the rest and nobody even knows they're there and they're actually manipulating stuff? Or does, does nobody talk to anybody and the thing is just a big morass? I, mean, if, who, I guess my question is how many people you're, you're saying as, as, a, as a genius in electronics, somebody could write it. I'm like, run it. My question is, how many people would have the capability or the access to run it? How many people, if they had the access, would even know how to do it? And, and who are these people, I guess is my question. If, if I was Anthony Fauci and I called up the administrator of CMS and said, put me in charge with your IT guys, um, that would have happened in 30 seconds. Okay, but I mean, down, yeah. down when you say somebody, some gnome... F- Five five layers down, wouldn't just say, "Wow, this might be interesting," and run it. Whatever. Oh well, well, they it's a computer. It's a federal computer. If you do something unauthorized, you're asking to go to jail. Okay, okay. I mean, it's you, you don't. I mean, that, that is and that is no BS. All right. I mean, if you are you go off half cocked outside your remit in a federal computer, you're very likely to go to prison for it. And it's and everything so just some is guy. If, if you were if you were lurking around as an employee, you couldn't just run this and all of a sudden come to stocks and jacks with the answer. <laughs> well, I, well, yeah, you could, but you'd risk going to jail. Okay, okay. I mean, it's it, yes, you could. Uh, I mean, it, anybody with with reasonable skill in the art of database operation could run this query. I mean, I could take a you know something like this against a, the data set of my. I mean, I've got the data set of, of my forum and the uh, you know and all the blogs I've posted. Um, it, there's actually a search box on there. It's exposed to the public. You can go in there and you can say, "Oh, find every find every single article that uses the word blowhard." <laughs> oh God! <laughs> well, it's going to be a long list, right? But but I mean, that's that query is going to come back in you know tenths of a second. Now, of course, across you know across the entire Medicare care database and the number of people involved, it may take a couple of minutes to grind it, but that's it. Be very fast. So we could we could sort of figure this out if we wanted to. We're not sure we want to, and we're not sure who interpreted it. And well, we, well, we don't want to. Okay, we certainly didn't want to at the time because it would have put it. It would have either proved or disproved on a conclusive basis that this was a good idea. Okay, and and the thing is, though, is that what the press ran with and the media, which was you know stoked by the so-called public health officials, is that this drug was extraordinarily dangerous and it might kill you because it can cause heart arrhythmias. It can it can tamper with the electrical balance within the heart, uh, specifically it elongates what's called a QT interval. Uh, and it, but here's the thing, you have literally several million people who are taking this drug every single day for either lupus or RA, okay? I mean, it's simple enough. Now, obviously, a physician is going to screen you to see whether or not you potentially have a, you know, a heart rhythm abnormality before they give it to you because, yeah, that risk is there and it's real. Uh, However, uh, that's, you know, I mean, one lead electrocardiogram, uh, you know, nowadays, I'm walking around with a watch on my wrist that can give me one of those in 30 seconds. Yeah, everybody's got it. So, I mean, I could, yeah, so, I mean, I could, I could, take a look at you know the data coming off my smartwatch and say uh no i don't have a problem with taking that well I mean, that's true i mean it's a 
the, the, the knowledge is, is right there. By, if, by if, the way, here's another interesting thing. Z-Pack which is handed out like candy to people with various bacterial you know infections. What? I have not heard of anybody getting that in a while. That was that was handed out 20 years ago to everybody. Well, guess what? It can prolong the QT interval, too. It's one of the listed side effects I'm, of that I'm drug. Not, I'm not... Boy, if you listen to stuff on TV, you'd never take any of this stuff. Well, I'm just saying, there's yeah. a, there is a... I mean, and this is clinically proved that there is, in fact, a risk that this thing could cause a heart attack if, you're, if your heart is already okay, screwed wicks. up. The, uh... Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I don't... Hey, what, quick question before we're going to break. Yeah. What, um... What was the role... Because I remember, boy, the guys coming back from the World War II, my uncles and everybody, if you went to, say, get a bottle of uh, tonic water... Yeah. The big letters that would say contains quinine. What what was the relation with quinine and malaria? Well, quinine quinine in sufficient quantity is an anti-malaria. It it disrupts the the parasitic uh, biological process that the, that the parasite uses to remain alive, and so it's it's actually a treatment and a preventive. Well, but how come but years the, later, if the guys had it again, it was life threatening? to the person who was treated originally. Well, it's it, so the thing about malaria is that malaria is like a, a a lot like dengue and a number of other diseases in that you can get sensitized to it. It's essentially like an allergy. And so there's there is a real problem. I mean, it's like, you know, if you're allergic to penicillin, the first time you take it probably you know, nothing really horrible happens. The second time it could cause anaphylaxis and you know, you your throat swells shut and you die. So, uh, but I, the same kind of thing can happen in with a lot of uh, different you know kinds of invasive things. Is that your body can get sensitized to it, and then the second or subsequent infection is really really nasty. And so, uh, you know that is that is a very real risk. Well, when we come back from break, what do you say we talk about next year? The Fed going to keep this going for another year? I I don't know. My Russell's absolutely convinced they're not going to be able to. Uh, right, so, other, my, so am I, by the way. <laughs> um, okay, well, then we want your re- SP futures down one, SP futures down eight. You're right back, Stacks and Jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Humans, for the most part, don't have a clue. They don't want one or need one either. They're happy. They think they have a good bead on things. Well, why, why the big secret? People are smart. They can handle it. The person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. 1,500 years ago, everybody knew the Earth was the center of the universe. 500 years ago, everybody knew the Earth was flat. And 15 minutes ago, you knew that people were alone on this planet. 
Imagine what you'll know tomorrow. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Oh, Lord, back stacks and jacks. And where Greg got there, it reminds me of my, one of my, my uh, old sage advisors from Pullman was, there's no such thing as a stupid human being, but when they get together, you got to be careful. They're liable to come up with anything. How's that for a, a view of the world, Greg? It's not, what, the same guy who says, what, a, a camel is a horse designed by committee? Something along those lines. Uh, SP futures down one and a quarter. Looks like it's going to be a dead day for the end of the year. SF futures up uh, down 675. Those that don't know, we were off on Monday, so leading into the three-day holiday so far, uh, we're already snoozing. Um, I bet when uh, Greg does traffic, there won't be much traffic either. Over in Asia, we've got the uh, Nikkei down 75.2%, Hang Seng up three, call that flat, hovering over 17,000, 17,047. Not been a good year for the Chinese markets. Everybody else, yes, not, not those guys. Shanghai down 20.7% uh, when I'm done with this, I'll... He's doing traffic weather. I'll actually go back to the Shanghai and see what they've done for the year. I don't think it's been, uh, I think it's been kind of ugly. DAX up 50. There's some, there's some uh, pulse over here in Europe. DAX up 50.3%. FTSE up 10.1%. GAC around up 26.3%. So they're got a little bit of a rally going there. Yesterday we were up 53 in the Dow, up a buck chuck in the S&P 500, and uh, we were down four in the NASDAQ, so not much of a day there. Uh, bonds were up two basis points, 388 a bond up 7 point basis points, 2.02. Japan up 4 basis points, 0.63. Um, oil up 30 cents, 72.07. Brent up 34 cents, 77.49. Natural gas down 2 cents, 2.53. Arbob up a penny, 2.09. We've got gold uh, down 8.90 now, 2.074. Doesn't look like it wants to make it to 2,100 here. It's gagging again when it gets close. Silver down 40 cents. That's a big move, under 24 bucks, 23.97. That's a real big move. That's almost 2%. Copper down 2 cents, 389. We've got Bitcoin up 262. was up a little bit more earlier, 42,764. But the the real story here, and we'll get this, we'll talk about this with Carl, is the dollar is actually kind of unchanged today, but the euro is going out at 110.5. The British pound is going out at 127.2. And I'm going to say, I'm not going to say, I'm going to check out my... Uh, my chart here, always always at the ready, right, Greg? Uh, it was is a trusty chart. I'm going to say we started the year at, uh, well, at uh, where am I here? Uh, 11:28. We we started the year 12:5, 12:19, 12 12:26, 12 roughly at uh, 107, and now we're 110. Um, so we actually were. This is against the euro, so we actually were lower. We were 122 and 21. We got to 115 in the, uh, the end of at the, at the end of 20. We were 122 at the end of 21. We were roughly 112. And last year we dove, dove all the way down to where we were actually the dollar got so strong the euro was under a buck, and now that has weakened dramatically the dollar since then. So it's been all over the place, but the last few weeks it's been uh, going straight down. Greg, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Morning, everyone. It is 7.37, 41 here in Chicago, 42 today with the occasional drizzle. Phoenix, 46 right now, 71 today, mostly sunny and nice. Traffic, you can pretty much get any uh, get into the city from anywhere in less than 22 minutes. 
NBA, Pacers beat the Bulls. That was 120-104. NHL, Blackhawks play the Stars tonight. The College Football, the Alamo Bowl, Arizona over Oklahoma, Pop-Tarts Bowl, K-State over NC State, Wasabi Fenway Bowl, SMU lost to BC. That was 14-23. And the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl, Rutgers beat uh, the U, 31-24. And NFL, Browns beat the Jets, and that was 37-20. They have cemented their spot in the playoffs. And that's all I got, Chief. Back to you. The Shanghai market started the year at like 3,100, made up to 3,400, and finished the year at 2,974. So they are definitely down on the year. They're not at the absolute low. The absolute low was, uh, I'm going to say a week ago, the absolute low was uh, 2,900 at open on 12,26. Then finished finished that day, it closed at 2,914. So the, 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 the uh, yearly low was on the 26th, which was earlier this week. It was an opening print, and it's come back a little from them, but still down on the year. Um, also, we had a, a message asking about Lauren Boebert. So uh, why is she switching congressional districts? That was it. Um, <laughs> I think I, I read this, or I heard this yesterday. She is, uh, she's faced it. She got a, uh, the Democrat she's running against is going to be pretty strong, but she's also... Wasn't she the one that was making out with the guy in the movie theater? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. she was. I don't know why that's such a big problem. I mean, people do that, but uh, there well, was something else she was, was doing. Little, it was a little more than making out. Yeah, there was something else going on, but it was... Uh, yeah, there, there, that was kind of handsy. Uh, groping, I think, was the term. Maybe even a little further than that. Ah. Oh, God. <laughs> Is, yeah, it says, how can she switch districts without... Yeah, I think I brought well, that up. I, well, I think the question would be: she'd have her her. Although you know, who knows nowadays? Because there's all kinds of scams and stuff going. You're supposed to live in the district, right? That's your residence. It's supposed to be in the district. That's the theory, anyway. So she she at least had to rent a place in the new district, and that's that. That's well, I would have to change her legal residence. Yeah, right. I mean, that's of course uh, you know. Okay, pull the other one. I mean, how many how many carpet baggers? And then, of course, you know that's usually what happens when you do that is that somebody comes up and says, "Hey, by the way, you're a carpet bagger," which you are. Um, but yeah, so uh, who knows precisely you know what's going on with that? By the way, interesting little factoid. You know, you're talking about the currencies and stuff. The dollar. Uh, everybody has been screaming for the last couple of months about how the dollar has been you know, has weakened quite dramatically from its highs. Uh, but in terms of, of on a one-year chart, if you look at it on a one-year chart, uh, it's it kind of looks like a ups and downsy roller coaster kind of thing. Right. right. I mean, the, it really hasn't. There is no trend in this chart. Okay, looking at a one-year chart, uh, what there is is a lot of oscillation. It was it was uh, it traded at uh, ninety-nine fifty-seven uh, in the in the end of uh, well the middle of July. And as high as 107. But it came off these huge lows in October of 22. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sorry, huge highs. Huge I'm highs, talking, yeah. right. But the, but the thing is, this year has basically been, looks a lot like a heart attack. But, um, but and you, you as, a, as a guy who probably did some import stuff, when you, you, you can talk about the market all you want. I mean, well, we do. Uh, right. And, uh, but this, I mean, I, I know I, I, the minute I say this, you know, you know, people put their hands in their ears and say, "Oh, not again!" It, it's all about the quantity of money it, when right. you start manipulating it. And, and since October, 
we, before that, this is, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Carl, but before that, the for a period of years, there was this orchestrated, uh, essentially, dumping of currencies of all the different central banks. So you couldn't say, oh, by the way, the dollar's down, you idiots are putting too much into the system. What do you mean it's down? It's right there with the... G- with the pound, it's right there with the right. the euro dollar, right there with the franc, because they were doing the exact same thing. Right, it was all co- it was all highly coordinated. But yeah. but if you were to say no, I mean the dollar is compared to like a used car, or or compared to you know or uh, whatever gasoline or, or food or whatever, everybody knew the dollar was going down in relation to virtually everything else on earth, right? Just not another currency. But now this last since October, I think our chairman. Of the Fed, I, I think he kind of surprised some people. Uh, when I say people around the rest of the world, the, the, the UK has been much more concerned about snuffing out inflation than we have. So they have not gone back to the sprinkle the infield with pounds like we have with the dollar. So this move in the last six weeks, this is somewhat of a unilateral move pushing 5%, Carl, which I think is way different than the last 10 years. Well, I think there's, I think there's something to, to, there's something to that. Okay, I mean, I'm, you know, I've got a three-year weekly up right now on my screen as we're talking, um, and one of the things I think is is quite interesting about this is is the there was of course a huge policy and and coordinated policy response when COVID started, right? I mean, it was everywhere. You know, rates rates go zero. We're going to dump money into the economy. Da 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 da. And really, credit, not yeah. money. But but you know, it's what they did. Well, it's the same thing. It, well, it, well, it spends the same, but it's not the same. And and they all did it. Okay, all the different central banks went out in the Western world went out and did this. And then there was a there was a, a fairly interesting shift that happened. Um, and it and it really started in 2021 and and took off into 22. Uh, where where there was a divergence, and and so you saw a lot of strengthening of the dollar, uh, starting during that period of time, and it was and it was quite dramatic. All right, one twenty two to ninety five. Yeah, in the euro, that's a lot. Well, but see, here's the other thing too. Remember what also happened during this period of time. This was when the Ukraine dust up started. All right, and so th- these things are connected. And one of the one of the challenges that you have is that, and I've brought this up on the show, and I, it's uh, trade sequestration is a huge inflationary buffer. That's gone now, and it's not going to come back. That is a serious problem for these guys that all want to run around with their hair on fire, talking about you know this and that when it you know when it comes to what we're going to do as a nation. And how we're going to manage these deficits in the in the spending that Congress is doing, we have spent the last two decades really believing and inculcating into into Congress. Uh, it, it's a horrible thing that we've done, but we did it. That deficits don't matter. I mean, you heard that all the way back into the 1990s with Bush, right? And you know, and, and all of this nonsense. Clinton thought that was the case, and he got swatted. Um. Milton Friedman thought it was the case too. 
Back. Well, a lot of people have over the years, but they, but, but that was know, back when that was back when you only borrowed money in turn, inside the borders, right? But you know what, Chief? I've always, you know, I've always had a problem with people, no matter their profession, when they when they're in the economic area or the business area, that look at a phenomenon that appears to be the case and it appears to be impossible. All right, the the idea that you can emit credit into the economy and it doesn't have an inflationary impact, that that appears to be impossible. If you emit credit faster than the economy is expanding, you are going to get inflation. All right, careful, right, we're not. We're, we're, let's. You're absolutely well, cr- you're absolutely correct. But let, let me let me clarify where, where we're going with this. When I'm talking about the, the Milton Friedman school would say, and he was obviously more of a monetarist than you or I are. But what his idea of a deficit is if the government went out and borrowed $100 million and spent it, the government now owes the people $100 million. That was his idea of a deficit. Now, if you were to ask him, wait a minute, we're going to do a deficit, and the Federal Reserve is going to finance it by printing money, he'd say, no, 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 that's a different question. Well, yeah, I understand. Yeah, I get that. I and, and you know, and the idea is the Federal Reserve is not supposed to do that, right? <laughs> right. Well, that's, well, unless, well, but I mean, they are... Yeah, yeah, okay, pull the other one, right? Well, I mean, you, I, I mean can you, could you possibly, and I, you know, and I, you're one of the most honest guys I've ever come across, I mean, from what, I, from what I've heard from you. I mean, week after week, if somebody wasn't, I'd figure it out. Uh, do you think it's possible if I made you the police chief of Chicago? Maybe you and I, I mean, I, I've been accused of being the last Boy Scout. Maybe I could be the only man on earth that would actually appoint a uh, what do you call the guy who's in charge of police behavior uh, um, whatever the uh, inspector or whatever I, I could actually maybe hire a guy that I wouldn't mess with nobody nobody else is capable of hiring somebody that essentially is over you yeah I just uh, you know so the federal my point is the federal reserve chairman to think that he's independent you know I, I, you know, put a stink bomb in church and it won't stink. Give me a break. I mean, it, oh yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, but I I think one of the, one of the things that's always fascinating me is that you see these you see what appears to be going on. It invalid it, if it's true. It invalidates a fundamental part of your thesis of how the economy works, right? And then you don't look at that and say, well, the, the first thing comes out of your mouth is my thesis was wrong. Uh, no, it's not. You're you need to first exclude before you say that you have to exclude all of the other potential explanations for why what you're observing doesn't match what you expected all right you can't just turn around and say well obviously deficits don't oh, we, matter we 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 absolutely i mean uh, i read something a week ago if i sent it to you i don't know if i sent it out it had to do with if somebody went back and recalculated the supposed neutral to positive impact of the Trump tax cuts and what it actually has done to the deficit. The guy had it at like a trillion dollars the other way or something. Oh yeah, it's, I mean, I look at some of these things and so when we got into the dust up in Ukraine and we got involved in it specifically by sanctioning the living bejesus out of anybody that had any peripheral connection to it yeah. We we took what used to be an inflationary buffer that was available to the United States and which inured to 
the benefit of Congress and being able to spend in deficit and not have it immediately show up in inflation. We took that and we threw it in the trash can. It's gone. And somebody either did it intentionally knowing that this was this this was likely to happen or they just paid zero attention to reality and did it anyway and didn't care. I, I have a suspicion the answer is a second because I think that most of the people that made these kinds of decisions uh, really, really believe their crap doesn't stink. I, uh, you know, I'll judge me on this one. I'm going to lob this one out there. Well, first of all, if I could have one out of all the stuff I heard the guy say, because I used to go to every lecture he did, out of all the stuff I heard the guy say, one three-minute response from Milton Friedman, if I could if I could find it, which, of course, back when nobody taped anything, and put it on YouTube, it would absolutely be the most viral thing. Somebody asked him what the most dangerous thing about inflation was, and he said, you can't let it get started because it feels so good and benefits the right people once it starts rolling that it, we think, you think you can keep going forever, and all of a sudden... It starts to nip at everybody and nip at everybody and becomes this huge problem and, and fix it. It's a real big deal. So that's why well, yeah, you, can, you can never well, let it get started. Right. Well, Chief, I you know it's one of the things that one of the first charts in, in the book that I published <laughs> ten years ago now uh, is exactly that. Yeah. It's, and it's the reason, and it explains why that happens. And it's just that the the curves have a belly to them before the debt side of it catches the growth side. Well, plus the people okay. who are in power. But I'm going to... I'm gonna, well, but that's, I, but I, that's the reason but here's what I want. Here's what I want, the, the complete critique from you. Uh, you're not as old, so maybe you don't remember the stuff that I'm remembering. That when, it, when it first happened, when we essentially went off to Bretton Woods and we didn't go off to Bretton Woods, we went to Bretton Woods, we went off the gold standard... And started pumping pumping money in the system to pay for the Vietnam War. This is '68 when this all this whole mess started in '68. In, in one man's opinion, and all of a sudden during the '70s, you're seeing this creep, creep, creep. You're seeing this inflation move and all this kind of stuff. I don't know that those people back then were as were or as should have been as astute on all the negative things that were happening along the way. And of course, it really didn't come to massive fruition until 73 when the Arab oil embargo then we could blame it all on the Arabs right Right. but, but this time around you and I I'm not the only guy who remembers that I'm not the only guy who read up on what happened for it to happen again like this this is not just people doing the right thing and making mistakes I don't think unless the younger generation never reads a damn book it has no idea of history of this stuff. Oh, yeah, now but, you're starting to get somewhere. But maybe, but I mean, the people who are in the Federal Reserve, this shouldn't be a mystery to them. How do you get that job and not know what I know and ten times more? Well, I'll, I'll tell you how you do it. It's, it's not that you don't know. It's that you go through 20 years and and government runs these huge deficits. Okay, it grows and grows and grows. And by the way, it's all growing in one place. If you look at where, where, from a percentage point of view, it's all in CMS. I've pointed this out for the last two decades. Okay, this is where the problem is centered. That's the locus of it. Healthcare goes from 4% of the economy in the 1970s to 20%. Yeah. All right, it expands by a factor of five. And yet the Medicare tax has not expanded by a factor of five. Hello? Right. All right. So what do you think is going to happen to the budget deficit as a result of that? That's stupid. You don't have to think about it. You know what's going to happen. It, it's a mathematical problem. Anybody that can't do 2 plus 2 has no business being in the government. 
But yet here we are, and the Federal Reserve looks at this and says, this should have blown up in our face 20 years ago and didn't. All right. Well, the problem is they didn't ask the next question. Why didn't it? And then analyze that and find it. And and that's you know where I started to go to when this when this all started to come apart. And then it became instantly obvious what the answer was. And the answer was trade sequestration. Well, we destroyed that. So now it's gone. And now we're going to have to face this. And it's coming this year. There's another problem, too, which is that, and this one's going to show up in the first couple of months, uh, and that is all these excess reserves that the Fed has been holding, these are getting rapidly drained. All right. They're basically gone at this point. In the next month or so, they're going to be gone. Right. That has been a buffer on policy. It's another buffer that the Fed had that that they've and, and it's being consumed. Well, guess what? That's what happens with buffers. They get consumed as you invade them. That is going to be gone. And when it is gone, then the impact of this throughout the economy, that that particular buffering factor is going to disappear. So, no, I do not see how we possibly get through 2024 without all of this stuff coming to a head. And, you know, you have a Speaker of the House who supposedly comes into office. He gets, you know, McCarthy gets thrown out. He gets, his thing is, we're going back to regular order. We're going to actually pass budgetary bills, blah, 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 blah. He's now put two CRs on the table in direct violation of what he said he was going to do. Well, I mean, you see that the what you just said. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some other kind of numbers on it as to how it flushes flushes out. But by the way, it's the exact same thing you just said. It's another way of doing it. If you look from nine, Carl's basically talking. You're starting at 2000, roughly, right? When when you talk about the yeah. uh, So if the Medicare piece of this, which is the driving the deficit, of course they weren't exactly disciplined in any other place anyway. But you had deficits. You had allegedly the the, the surplus the one year that Clinton was in, maybe it was, maybe it was. But by and large... Well, it wasn't, but okay, yeah. But by and large, it's been a deficit virtually every year since 2000. I mean, you know, and if you went out and borrowed all that money, uh, probably your interest rates would have continued to creep up, okay, because that's just the way that works. But what the, what the Fed has done since 1999, this is in- incredible. The average money supply increase over that period of time is 8%. On an economy that was growing, maybe two, maybe two and a half, you want to be generous. So essentially, there was a five to six percent inflation push into the economy every single year. And you lied about it by saying that the medical community still was only six percent of the economy instead of 18 or 20. There, there, therein lies the rub. So now you have this bulge in money, and, you, and you've had this inflation all along the way that every American knows about. Every American knows about. Look at your college tuition since 2000. Look at your 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 medical costs since 2000. Look at your taxes, which is the, the you know high school tuition. All that stuff is like was up like three times. And your CPI says it should be up 0.8 percent, not 0.8 percent. It should be 80 80 basis points instead of 285. There therein is the entire mess these guys are dealing with right now, and they don't have a clue how to deal with it. Carl, you know what? I'm not so sure I do either. It's been so long. Can I fix 23 years of ineptitude in six months? The answer is no. And no, it, you can't. But what's going to happen is the crash that, that it engenders is going to occur because you were too stupid to do something about it for the last 20 years. Right, now, now the next question has to be, we're not on national TV, but if I was a 
very good looking lady sitting on national TV making a lot of money and Carl Denger sitting next to me you know what I'm going to have to ask Carl you've been saying this for a friggin decade when's it going to happen nobody thinks it's going to happen tomorrow or next month or it would have happened yet uh, by the way I'm with you on this but how oh, do you answer well, that well, question well no my answer to it is this the the buffering mechanisms we've we've bumbled from one to the next right trade sequestration has been a huge factor all the way back into the 1990s all the offshoring as you do that you increase the amount of foreign trade and therefore the amount of goods that are in transit right and it is not the level it is the delta it is the change as the amount that's in transit goes up that that becomes a buffer it becomes a, a credit emission you can make that doesn't immediately reflect back into price and so as that expansion has occurred we gained this temporary reprieve but now the delta has stopped increasing it's gone to zero well, plus right? you're, in you're, fact it may even be unwinding to some how extent. much of it is is somehow you've talked 75 percent of the population into a lower lifestyle than they were used to when they put up with it well, well, yeah. I mean, take a look. You know, there was a thread on X a couple of days ago about uh, this this woman who's she's you know she's twenty seven. She's got a boyfriend. She's she makes basically no money. Has a hundred grand in student debt, and is all bent out of shape because a guy won't marry her. And and he, on the other hand, does not have student debt and makes a lot of money. Um, okay, so where did you get the idea that it was intelligent to go take out $100,000 worth of loans without any reasonable expectation you were going to be able to pay them back? And, oh, by the way, uh, you want this guy who has a lot of money to marry you before you straighten this out. Um, well, remember, well, remember way before we were alive, uh, the lady showed up with clear title and a dowry? Well, you know, um, but, you know, the thing is, is it's like, so, you know, of course, the... Of course, the the guy probably had clear title, too, but that's another story. Well, yeah, but the the pile-in was, you know, this guy's a pig if he really loved you, blah, blah, blah. No, not at all. We have have allowed a couple of generations of people to say, I don't really actually have to have my act together. Uncle Sugar will take care of this, or you know somebody will take care of this. But I don't have to actually have my act together. I don't have to ask whether or not that that degree that I'm taking a hundred grand worth of loans for actually produces a job on a reliable basis that is going to make the debt service reasonable. I think a lot of people, of, a lot of people got jumped on that. Well, let's talk about it next well, week because they they did, Chief. But you I know, mean, I mean, yeah. you know, it's like people who got an accounting degree. 25 years ago made X, you would think you're making more now. A lot of people aren't. Well, that's true. I mean, it's a yep. uh, S&P futures down three, Nancy futures down three seventy-five. Carl, happy new year, bud. I'll wish you that again next week. It's been a lot of fun this week. I really enjoyed you you being on, and uh, hopefully we can do this for a lot longer. Be back on uh, Tuesday in the new year, Stocks and Jacks. That's right. Winter
Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Med, Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.